0: Hi, and thanks for listening to Your Tech Report. Before we dive into this episode, if you aren't already subscribed to the podcast or haven't given us a five-star review, do you mind doing that? It helps us to bring you great new content just like this every single week. Thanks so much, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. We are back on Your Tech Report. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you want to follow along with us, please do so. It is at Your Tech Report on all our social media. Of course, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff, Mitchell.
1: Uh, you know, Mark, this interview is, you know, I, I always, you could tell when I'm sort of excited about an interview, I start stammering and sweating like a wild man, but I'll, I'll spare the audience from that. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, thank too. you and I'll spare I'll spare you from having to hear me, you know, s- sweating and stammering. Uh one of the things we love doing on the show, among the many things we love doing on the show is introducing technology in a way that people are not accustomed to hearing technology on a tech show. For example, I think Mark when people hear about tech, they think that every piece of technology has a a touchscreen, a processor, and that's not a true. Battery, there's uh, technology you know. about yeah. exactly. And the truth is there's technology in Everything that we use in our normal, everyday lives. And we like to talk yeah. about those sectors. And one of the things that both of us are passionate about, that we both love, are watches. And, you know, I, you know during, the, <laughs> during everything we've been going through with COVID, you know, you look social media, you're watching a lot of TV. Well, I was cruising social media, watching YouTube, and this brand kept popping up named Panzera beautiful watches. And I, I kept on coming back to these, who makes these watches, this company? And I wanted to learn more about them. And the more that I learned about the timepieces they make, the quality of the craftsmanship being based in Sydney, Australia, which you don't usually associate with fine timepieces, which I think is wonderful. You know, So there are so many curious things and wonderful things about this company and what they do that I had to bring on their two co-founders. So the two co-founders of Panzera Watches are joining us now, Mark. We have Andrew Herman and Roger Cooper. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us on your tech report
2: thank you
1: thanks for having me. yeah and and that you say good morning and of course it's another thing we're working during doing this interview you guys are 19 hours ahead of me you're 16 (laughs) hours ahead of mark i mean this is so working this out logistically i appreciate just the fact that we could logistically work out this interview but before we get started and uh you know i want to hear from both roger and andrew andrew let's start with you talk about your background and how you guys got started and eventually came together to create Panzera.
2: okay um Roger and I have been friends for many years, and it's interesting when you get together working with friends. It's, um, it's a great opportunity and something that we've really enjoyed uh, being able to do. But we were friends, and we both were passionate about watches. Um, Roger had a bit, really strong bent in the retail industry and uh, was looking for something new to do. And so we got together and decided, well, why don't we do something that we're both passionate about, which is watches? And um, we decided to build uh, a new brand, Panzera. Uh, primarily based around building watches in small quantities just for ourselves and our friends. It was an interesting concept, Uh, but it's really taken off big time now. and We we now supply over 100,000 watches uh, to people all around the world, so it's been a fantastic ride for us.
0: How do you go from you know building watches for yourselves? Well, we didn't get to hear about we didn't get to hear about Roger's story, Mark. For okay, Roger, fine. He didn't, he didn't get to, I wanted to, want to hear. I'm wait, excited. We go on. I know,
1: but I want to hear Roger's backstory <laughs> as well. I know they were friends, but I want to hear his version. Come on.
0: Okay, fine. Roger, you can go. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No. Look, it, it was interesting um,
3: when we started the company. Andrew came to me, and you know he's, he was a real watch nerd from way back. And um, you, he said, <laughs> he said, we'd like to start a watch company. And, you know, I've got all the sort of watch and design background and, and you've got a lot of, um, you know, business experience. I've worked for a lot of companies overseas and in Europe and, and in Switzerland, actually. So um, not in the watch industry, but in, in other industries. So, but, um, you know, having a background in uh, international, you know, importing products, exporting, design, uh, creating um, those kind of things um, uh, was kind of a good uh, combination of talents. and that's how we got together and 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 decided to give it a, give it a go and and see where we went with this business. So yeah, and that was that was 12 years ago now.
0: 12 wow. years. Wow. You know, I, I can also almost imagine, you know, you know, Andrew coming to you with this idea of building watches, you know, for your own circle. Uh, did one of you have the grander vision, uh, you know, to kind of see further than just the immediate you know, circle around you and, and realize that there is going to be a big future here? Or did that something that just kind of stemmed out of the experience of working together and making the first watches?
2: Yeah. Um. It really, it really uh, when we started advertising and friends of friends showed other people, we knew they were on to a, a winner because we had so many people coming to us. The biggest issue we had initially was how do we produce the number of watches to keep up with the supply? And you know, we weren't advertising back then. It was really just word of mouth people were showing us. And that's when we realized if you've got good designs, people will come to us. And I think that's what we've always stuck with, um, building designs that we like, but it seems to be the right uh, designs that other people also share interest in, which is really good.
1: You know, I, I it's funny when I, when I first saw the brand, and I, I think, you know, we talked before we did this interview. I'm um, just letting for everyone know that we, we had a conversation before we started, and um, <clears throat> there's that, there's sort of that holy cow moment when you first see, and I, I encourage, is it, it's just panzera.com, right? If you people go to panzera.com, they can actually see. Panzerra.shop. Panzera.shop. See, that's why I ask. Panzera.shop. And I encourage you, one of the things, you know, radio is a wonderful medium, but also to be able to see what we're talking about, to be able to appreciate the beauty of these timepieces, they are absolutely stunning. And we're going to talk about, of course, the craftsmanship and everything that sort of blew me away about what goes into it. But when you enter a market like this, when you enter the watch market, again, you're in an atypical location in terms of manufacturing, right? Being in Australia, uh, a lot of the watch business, you know, of course, overseas, a lot of it in Switzerland and Europe. Um, What did you guys think? This is a pretty crowded space. There are a lot of brands out there. We're seeing a lot of micro brands come out. What did you guys see that you wanted to do to say, okay, here's what we're going to do that we want to do differently, that we think there's a a space for us to do this in the watch space that people are not doing right now? What was that 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 you wanted to do differently?
2: That that was, was I think that's a key. Look, the thing we realized was, you know, you don't have to spend big dollars to own a beautiful watch. Because when we started manufacturing, we got under under the covers of the costs. And a lot of the costs uh, were through distribution channels, huge markups, marketing costs, all of the rest of it. Uh, but the watch themselves, if you're efficient about the way you manufacture them as we are, you can produce a really high-end quality watch, as you've been talking about there, um, without having to have the overheads and being able to produce that at a price point that people can afford. Because the whole motto behind Panzera is, We don't want to make exclusive timepieces only the wealthy or very wealthy can afford. We're trying to produce them for our friends, for people who want to buy them, and we want to make them accessible to everyone. So that's the niche we went after. We thought, let's produce a really high-quality timepiece. Mm -hmm. By high quality, I'm not just talking about the watch, the packaging, the warranty, the um, service levels we offer. We try and match those very, very high-end manufacturers. But produce something at a unique price point that's not out there at the market at the moment.
0: What, what is that unique uh, think, price point? So, go ahead, sorry,
3: Warren. The other thing I just wanted to add was the other thing that's uh, quite unique to us is we're, we've created a logistics process where we can deliver any of our timepieces anywhere in the world within yes. three to five days, so wow. from Sydney, you know, um, you know, so that, that, that took a lot of preparation and planning and, and to put that into place uh, to make sure that we could deliver on that as well. But um, um, that's Definitely one of our unique selling points, too.
0: You talked about, you know, um, an affordable price point. What is the price point that people are going to looking at? And and when you when you started, I'm assuming there was one 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 design. Was there one one or more designs? And how and what made you decide to continue going down the road of of constantly making that better or making it different?
2: Um, well, look on the design side, I'll answer that first. The design side, we actually we have what we call uh, neoclassic designs, which. We sort of get an older style concept of watch that we both Roger and I love, and then we modernise it and bring it forward in a way that younger people and new people can refresh it. But by having that older feel to it means that it's got a classic feel and it won't go out of style. We don't try and build fad watches, which a lot of people are doing these days, right? But you want something that looks classic, has a bit of a familiarity that, oh, I recognise that as a classic timepiece, but adding modern feels to it, and that's what we've always done. Um, so that, that sort of helped us bring, you know, bring, bring the, the old world feel of, of timeless pieces to the new generation, I think, is the way we like to look at it.
3: Yeah. And, and to answer your question, um, too, we, we started off uh, with a pilot's watch uh, called the Flieger pilot's watch. And, um, you know, we've, we've made probably, you know, six or seven iterations of that since the very first original one. But they are, are just small tweaks every year. We just add a few more improvements or slight design changes. Um, so, you're yeah, just adding to what Andrew says, you know, we um, we sort of keep in this classic sort of boundary, um, but make it just, just evolve. It's just continual evolve, you know. And,
1: and one yeah. of the things I want, to, I want to let people know when we're talking about a beautiful watch that's well-crafted with, you know, great, with great components, just to listen. this Guys, I'm going off the top of my head here as I'm going to go into a little bit of a fanboy mode here, as I've told you I you know, often will do. We're talking about uh, surgical-grade stainless steel. We're talking about a sapphire crystal a Japanese automatic movement. I mean, there's, these are not things that you would associate with a sub one or $2,000 watch. And we're talking about prices where if you go online again at shop, see, I got it right. You just train me and yep. I will get it.
2: Thanks, um, thanks Mitch. You, thanks,
1: you, yeah. no, no problem here. I'm here for you guys. You're looking at a price range and we're talking about all of all the watches here, uh, you know, the majority between five and seven hundred U.S. dollars. And again, discounted directly from the factory to even be less than that. My first reaction, I told you, I showed my family, how much do you think this watch is? Well, that's two thousand, oh, that's three thousand dollars. I showed them the price there. How could they do that? So I was like, how do you do that? Is it just a matter of the fact that you were able to manufacture and ship directly to the customer? That, that cuts down a lot of the cost because the components are all top notch.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we do. As I said, we can ship. We, we we take the watch, we produce it with a factory, where the workshop, we ship it out, and we, as Rod said, we get it shipped anywhere in the world in three to five days, uh, and that really makes us very efficient. And the the price point is very critical for us because we like watches to become an impulse buy. Uh, often watches are something you buy once a year or once every five years. We want people to say, okay, that price point, I can afford to buy one or two watches, and we have a lot of customers who own every watch we've produced, and they keep asking us when producing new ones, because they can be affordable enough to be something that you can have 6 or 7-hour watches to wear with whatever style you feel like, and they become a bit of a collector's piece. So it's a, it's a very interesting um, price point uh, model that we've achieved to, to make them an impulse buy rather than a You know, uh, an astute purchase do only once once every decade
0: or so. You know, when it comes to watches, you know, especially when you know people people tend to be afraid to wear them on on a daily basis because they're worried about the build and they don't want something that you know they love so much to to go through the wear and tear of you know life, but. When I look at these watches, and I, I've never held one, you know, full disclosure yet. Um, <laughs> we will, don't worry. Yeah, we'll fix, we'll fix we'll that. Fix we'll that. Fix that. <laughs> um, you know, talk talk to me about the the wear and tear and the ruggedness of these watches, because obviously yeah, the materials yeah. answer a lot of that. But not having the experience with it, it's it's hard to answer that myself.
2: Yeah, no, that's a very good that's a very good question. Um, we use uh, Japanese movements, which are, I think, we we actually supply both Japanese and Swiss movements in our watches. Some of our ranges are Swiss made, just to uh, make them a little bit further up the food chain. Right. But uh, the core ones we have have Japanese movements, and we've found them absolutely bulletproof. I mean, they're amazing in terms of we get very, very few, if any, returns uh, due to movement problems. The glass is sapphire. The cases are stainless steel. And it's actually attracted a very interesting market because, as you point out, a lot of people who own very high-end watches don't want to wear them to the beach, don't want to wear them when they're working on the car or doing some of the other things, whereas they want to have a nice watch on all the time. They don't want to go to the beach wearing a Casio or something like that. So they end up buying our watches. A lot of people who have Rolexes, Breitlings, Amigas, very expensive high-end watches, uh, Protect Philippe, buy our watches as an everyday watch because it looks as good to add to their collection as any other watch they can wear it. But they don't have to worry about it. And it's very strong, rugged. We build our watches very, very, um, for the ground up to be tough. They're large, they're chunky. They've got very strong rubber, nylon or leather straps. Um, as I mentioned, we've got the, you know, the sapphire crystals and the really good movement. So they're very rugged, but they're, uh, and then most of them are water resistant to at least hundred meters. So we make them water resistant uh, as well. So people can wear them as an everyday watch, but look like they're still wearing a very high-end watch.
1: You know what? And I'm going to throw this over to Roger because uh, I wanted to tell you guys, first of all, again, kudos on the design, because for me, I tend to go, I tend to gravitate always to uh, gravitate toward this, not the smaller. Today, a small watch is considered a 40 millimeter. Who knows? That used to be a big watch back in the day, but now that's considered a medium sized watch, right? I would always gravitate toward the midsize watch. And when I saw the Panzera line, it's the first larger size watch on the wrist that to me maintained that still that elegance because when you think of a large watch you don't necessarily think of an elegant watch you usually think of sleek and slim you think of elegant but you guys in the design managed to keep that elegance in the larger form factor and those aren't yeah. two things that are usually married yeah. together right
3: yes yeah well we our, our watch sizes range from 38 millimeter diameter up to um at the moment the, the largest one that we do is their 40 46 millimeter. Um, right. And look, I think anything over or around about, you know, 41 to two is, 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 is considered as a larger size watch. Um, but we've done that on purpose because um, one of the, the criteria of our design is we want to make statement pieces. So we want them to stand out and we want them to be big and bold. Um, but saying that even though they are maybe considered a larger size uh, form factor, they actually wear very comfortably on on the wrist. So we've done uh, a couple of smart things with the design, doing uh, a curvature of the of the lugs, which um, mm-hmm. to make the watch wrap around your wrist a little bit better, so they don't stick out. Um, so there's a few things like that. There's just a little bit of a smarts that go into the design, uh, you know, in the in the in the creation process. Uh, yeah.
0: I want to preface my next question by saying I, I mean no harm, no ill intent. <laughs> But That's but always a great way to preface a question, right? I'm about to hurt and, you, but and you the don't reason I say to. that is <laughs> because <laughs> I'm hiding under the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I have to, you know, mention to the people listening to this interview that um, it's great. You get great accolades when you know that a company like Samsung has added the Panzera face to their app store market. You know, That's so right. that those who own smartwatches can actually carry your brand with them. But that being said, and it's a question that I think I'd ask any watch manufacturer is, you know, seeing how the industry has has gone over the past five years for example do you, do you feel threatened at all by smart watches does, does that even is that even no. a concern
2: no no in fact I, I think quite the opposite um if you look at the watch the watch uh, market it's changed a lot in the last several decades because watches are no longer want to tell the time or be functional they're purely pieces of jewelry men don't get to wear much jewelry you know um so the thing is it's a statement piece about uh, just like a, a woman's ring wearing a ring is uh when men wear watches so the mechanical watch pieces are really designed to be pieces of jewelry that's why the mechanical are not electronic the functional pieces um are like smart watches and digital watches um are a completely different market and What's really good about them is we've been seeing a decline in the interest of watches with the younger generation because you have a smartphone, you don't need to tell the time. But what the smartwatches are now doing is reintroducing the concept to the, gen, the new gen generation to start wearing watches again, put something on your wrist. As they get older, they don't want to be seen wearing exactly the same watch as their friends with an Apple watch or a Samsung watch when they go out to a, a fancy Uh, party or they're going out to a board meeting when they get older and get senior roles. So they get used to using that risk space again, which I think is wonderful. You know, I think it really helps introduce the new generation back into the concept of using the wrist as something to put something uh, decorative on later in life as well.
1: I, I totally agree with you. And I wanted to say, as soon, as soon as Mark asked the question, I realized, wait, I have an answer for that from my own point of view, but I, of course, cutting you guys out completely, which great interview technique, isn't it? No, but I was thinking about it as he was asking you guys the question. And I thought, I think today, and I've had Apple Watch since the beginning, I yep. don't think of my Apple Watch as a watch. I think of it as no. a piece of tech yeah. and it's an accessory tech that I wear on my wrist. And I think Apple's main mistake when they first released the Apple Watch was to advertise that really expensive one as a piece. <laughs> (laughs) of fine jewelry because it's it's still a piece of technology and the fact is now and i should tell you my my wife bought me a seamaster as my recovering from my knee replacement gift and now when i go out for a walk a little slower than normal i usually put on my omega to get a good wind on it rather than put on my apple watch so (laughs) that shows you the transition about how i feel about timepieces i really don't think of it as a traditional watch it'll never for me replace a traditional watch
2: a lot of people who buy our watches want to keep them for decades right or they might yeah. have been memorable memorabilia pits. When i i used to buy a watch when i started a new role when i got engaged just as a you know something to remember that particular point in my life with um, you can't do that with a smartwatch a smartwatch is going to be superseded in a couple of years you've got to, even if you wanted to you'd have to throw it away because the, they won't be supported from a software oh well, the battery's
0: going to so, die and you know it's going to be updated
2: it's not going to be worth supporting it you won't get parts right whereas these watches that we sell, you could keep those for generations. Um, the movements we use in them have been available since the 1960s. They'll be available in another 40 years' time. Um, so you'll be able to get upgrades and keep them running. And that's the thing about mechanical watches. They're pieces of jewellery uh, that you can keep in your life, in your jewellery box, and they can hand it down to the next generation, as some of our fellow brands emphasise. Um, you know, It is something that you keep in your life, and that's something you can't do with a smartwatch. Yeah.
3: Hey
1: Roger, why the other I'm thing sorry, I was
2: going to go yeah, go so
3: I, yeah. I was going to add to that is, you know, um, uh, a lot of mechanical watches can appreciate value, um, so they yes. can be a good investment as well. Whereas, I'm not sure you can say the same about smartwatches, but you can definitely say that about um, about uh, mechanical um, watches for sure.
1: No, you're right. I think I think digital technology to a great extent is viewed as a disposable purchase, not just, you know, it doesn't matter what price point it is. If it's a watch, if it's a phone, if it's a computer, no matter what the cost, you know that in a few years there will either be something better. It's not it's built with a shelf life because technology is exponentially growing. But that's the beauty of having something that's analog, something that is beautiful and handcrafted that it like you said, it can and will last for a long time.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, if I throw one computer, that'd
3: be a good investment.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be absolutely <laughs> lovely?
2: You, you might find the first Apple Watch is worth something in forty years' time if you can still get it. Yeah, the work. battery's not <laughs> bloated and
0: pop the screen off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, you know, guys,
0: I, you know, I, oh. I, I can't wait to get my hands on these. Quite literally, I think it's. Uh, I'm going to go on a shopping spree when we're done this interview. Um, I'm going to have to send my <laughs> wife a link too because she loves loves wearing the big watches as well. I mean, there's so many lines, but I want to have. I want to save some stuff for next time. So, will you please come back on with us again? Maybe we can actually have a meal next time. Absolutely. So Mitchell, Mitchell can be having lunch. Absolutely. I'll have a dinner, and you guys have breakfast, and we can all. We can all chat about it again. (laughs) That That would be (laughs) simultaneous
1: three different times of the day. That's fantastic.
2: And we can we can tell you who won all the sports. Is that how it works? You're actually in the future. That last time, I love it. This is great. (laughs) That's what I thought was going to
1: call the future. Well, Andrew Herman, Roger Cooper, co-founders of Panzera, thank you so much for joining again to look at these beautiful watches. And I can't emphasize, and again, nobody's nobody's paying us to talk about this. This is just a brand that we discovered and a lot of you have discovered as well through social media and through advertising and just through people wearing them. They're absolutely stunning. Head to Panzera.shop, check them out, buy one, buy more than one, and make sure you send Mark and I one to you because we're dying to try them. Guys, thank you again. And we can't wait to have you back. Thank
3: you,
2: guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks you guys. Really appreciate you having us today. It's wonderful.
3: There's more your tech report after this.
2: It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex.